in the United States, Thanksgiving is a time to largely avoid that one uncle who always corners you after dinner to ask you why you make such terrible life decisions. But it's also a time for football games for some reason, and occasionally people will reflect on what they're grateful for in the year previous. So today, that's what we're going to do about MMA. Because wouldn't it be weird if I just sat here and talked about my personal life for 12 minutes? Today's top 10 is all about the stuff we're just happy to have in mixed martial arts this year, and wow, are there at least 10. Which is honestly saying something given the way 2020 went. But MMA is an unkillable lycanthrope that doesn't use its powers to harm, but is cool like Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf. This intro's going off the rails. Let's talk about some things we're glad are happening. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and happy holidays from the boys at Jocko. That's right, Jocko Fuel is back for Thanksgiving and Black Friday with their brand new pre-workout. For Black Friday, get 24% off for 24 hours. So, with your subscription, get free shipping and stock up on your fuel over at JockoFuel.com using the code RWB2021 for the ultimate pre-workout boost. Anyways, more on that later, but for now, here are 10 incredible things we're grateful for in MMA this year. Number 10. Full Force Crowds Are Back I never thought I would miss the uninterested woos of a crowd during a relatively slow-paced three-round fight, or the ungrateful boos that fill an arena when somebody utilizes a solid clinch game for too long, and I actually didn't miss those things when they were gone in 2020, but with the bad comes the very good, and that was that electric feel that comes with full-capacity crowds being at MMA events again in 2021. I honestly kind of did enjoy the quieter cards that went on at the heart of the pandemic, when like seven people were allowed within 500 feet of each other inside the Apex Center. It had a unique feel. You could really hear the corners, the fighters, everything was heightened. That said, if you told me to choose between the sweet sound of silence or 20,000 people absolutely losing their mind when somebody lands a flying something or other, I'll take the big dumb crowd any day of the week. We now sort of have a hybrid of both with the UFC continuing to utilize the Apex, but it's awesome to see that the pay-per-view cards are selling out arenas in states that will allow them to do so. There really is something special about a ravenous crowd that's into MMA. Look no further than the recent Bellator show at the 3 Arena in Dublin. I mean, what an atmosphere. There's truly nothing like it, and after a year without it, I'm more grateful than ever to hear fans going wild at live shows, even if I have to occasionally endure a round of woos. Number 9. The Return of Ariel Helwani When ESPN and the UFC made their landmark deal in 2018, it represented a massive shift in the sport in so many ways. And one of the biggest is when Disney decided to hire the name in the sport, Ariel Helwani, to be part of their programming. And of course they would, why not? Love him or hate him, Helwani is by a huge margin the most well-known media figure in all of MMA. It's not even remotely close. Like how the only member of ESPN's hockey coverage that anybody could ever name is Barry Melrose because who the hell watches hockey? That's Ariel. If you don't watch MMA and say who's the one guy that covers the sport, people still know the nose. And a side effect of getting Helwani on ESPN was a bit of a watering down of the effect he had on the sport, not to mention the death of a lot of smaller MMA outlets. Of course, that was in large part due to the pandemic that ripped the MMA media world to shreds, but Ariel leaving MMA fighting was a huge deal, and as a result, that outlet, one that felt like the biggest in the sport, especially with Helwani's MMA Hour program, had really taken a big hit. Then in 2021, Ariel left ESPN and returned to the MMA Hour and all is right in the world again. Seriously, that show was a cornerstone of the sport. Hearing the big names every week after events on Mondays, it was a required part of the aftermath, an institution. And at ESPN, Ariel was simply being used as the MMA guy that everybody knows. See, look, we got him, fans. There he is with Chael. But now back on his own and back at MMA fighting, 2021 felt just a bit more like MMA again, as if we regained something that was sorely missing. Welcome back, Ariel. Number eight, tons of MMA. 
There is so much damn MMA this year. I mean, seriously, there's never been a better time to be a fan. Last year, we were kind of left in a weird spot. We still got a ton of MMA from the big dogs, but it took a while to get rolling once restrictions started getting lifted. Then there were all kinds of hoops to jump through. Fighters were dropping off cards all over the place left and right. And the regional scene was an absolutely hot mess. Not having the resources or capabilities of the UFC or Bellator to be able to best work around the pandy. In 2021, though, the regional scene is thriving. You need look no further than our very own Kaposa's Corner. I mean, seriously, watch that guy's feed or his videos on our channels. There's crazy-ass finishes and fights happening all around the world pretty much every single day that you may not even know existed. And the major promotions are just laying it on thick. The UFC will have had 42 cards this year. That's the most since 2014. Now, they hover around that number every year anyway, but it's still the most in that amount of time. And that's not to mention the 10 Contender Series events that produced roughly 799 new fighters for the roster, and of course, the return of the Ultimate Fighter, if that's your cup of tea. Bellator had 18 cards. There were over 35 one events. If you would like to sit down and watch MMA pretty much exclusively every single day of the week, you can do that now, and it's a beautiful thing. There have never been more options for MMA fans. Number 7. Good guys doing good. This sport can kind of be a shitty place with shitty people sometimes, you know? If we're being honest with ourselves, not everybody here is somebody we'd send a Christmas card to. But hey, it's cage fighting. I get it. That said, there are still some seemingly super nice folks that have chosen to punch people in the face for a living, and in an era where it's still very much the shit you talk that gets people talking about you, with fighters finding new ways to push things further and further, it's really nice in 2021 to see that so many of the good guys are doing good. Brandon Moreno. I mean, all he does is play with Legos and Funko Pops and fight people. He's always smiling and laughing, and now he's a world champion. Charlie Olives, what a story. To come up and take the title in that division after all these years of grinding, same goes to the nicest man on earth, Glover Teixeira. Seriously, the nicest guy ever next to JDS. At 42 years old, he's champion, and he took that title from another sweetheart, Jan Blahovich, who had a great year despite that. I mean, he beat Adesanya. Cyril Gaon and Francis Ngannou are going to have to violently battle in 2022, but in 2021, they were two great guys that worked their asses off at heavyweight and deserve every bit of recognition that they're finally getting. Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko continue to thrive in their divisions. It was just a nice year for nice folks doing well in MMA, showing you don't always have to be a dick to get ahead, and I'm here for it. Number six, USADA essentially doesn't exist. Remember when USADA was just bringing us all down, man? Just really taking the fun out of the sport. If they weren't getting main events ruined, they were putting our favorite fighters in hot water, only for it to be determined three years later that the protein powder they bought from some gas station they stopped by in Kalamazoo was tainted with designer steroids. All jokes aside, the impact USADA has had on the sport over the course of their partnership with the UFC has been one that is hotly debated. Are they effective if one of their most tested athletes was TJ Dillashaw, who only got caught in 2019? And as I just joked about, there were a ton of oddball test results that were either thrown out or determined to be unintentional ingestions. The company has even stopped announcing potential violations until things are resolved. And in 2021, their presence has been essentially zero. Four announced suspensions. Just four. The biggest name on that list? Hogerio Bontarine, maybe? Nevada caught more UFC fighters this year. They nabbed five if you count Chris Barnett's bad luck pot suspension before they eradicated those. Do you know what all of this means, fight fans? It means cheating is over. We did it. Nobody is cheating anymore. I'm so grateful in 2021 that everyone has clearly stopped using PEDs. Not a single major fighter since TJ Dillashaw has been caught with anything. And I'm so grateful that the fighters have seen the error of their ways. Nick Diaz, you can rest easy because none of these motherfuckers are on steroids. All you motherfuckers are on steroids. Obviously, I'm kidding. The chances of there still being a huge PED problem is pretty high. But given the questions about USADA's overall effectiveness in the first place, I guess I'm just grateful we're not talking about pulsing picograms and tainted supplements all year. Number five, better start times. For the last 20 odd years, UFC cards, they were just on late for the majority of everybody. That's just how it was. The product has been catering to the West Coast because that's where the promotion exists. If you live on PST time, you've experienced decades of cards 
towards starting and ending at reasonable times. Well, in 2021, it was all about the East Coast, baby, and of course, our friends overseas. That's right. Between the new emphasis the UFC has put on international cards with their partners in Abu Dhabi, as well as ESPN's East Coast bias, among I'm sure a ton of other factors, the majority of UFC cards this year have started at reasonable times for fans that don't just live on the West Coast. Do you know how nice it is when a main card starts at 7 p.m. or even 4 p.m.? It's the greatest feeling in the world ending a fight night and realizing that there's still a night left, that I can sleep in a bed in the dark like a human is supposed to and not have the sun come up an hour later. And sure, it's not perfect for everyone. West Coast folks are getting up a bit early now, but hey, a lot of pay-per-views are still starting at the regular 10 p.m. EST time and getting up at 10 a.m. on the occasional Saturday to watch some ass kicking won't kill you. With the vast majority of the MMA on point team living abroad, mostly in the UK, I'm sure they very much appreciate not staying up till 8 a.m. to see main events. The UFC may have finally struck a good time balance for overseas cards and fight nights. What a time to be alive. Number four, the divisions are stacked. Holy shit, are the divisions in the UFC absolutely ridiculous in 2021? And wow, am I grateful. Seriously, these things are just insanely stacked. Look at this. Look at all this. Oh, go figure. Look at that. Oh, look at that. By the way, whatever you're seeing right now, I didn't give any direction for whatsoever. I've left this entirely up to the editor to interpret. So whatever you're seeing right now, that's all them. Props to the editing team. Seriously, though, there is depth on top of depth. Let's take a look at some of these real quick. Bantamweight right now is just insane. Aljo has the title. I know that angers so many of you. Jan's got the interim gold. Look at everybody waiting in the wings. Dillashaw, Sandhagen, Font, Aldo, Dewalish Wheelie. The Sugar Show might make a splash soon. It's an embarrassment of riches, as John Anik would say. Featherweight is looking mean as ever. Could Holloway regain the title? Yair has proven he's elite. We can't forget the champ, of course. And then some of these guys are just killers. Ortega, Cater, Zombie. Arnold Allen is on the come up. Giga's starting to make his name. Bryce Mitchell hasn't even broke the top 10 yet. On to lightweight. I mean, star power shooting out of its ass. You got Charlie Olives on top. You got the man right now, Dustin Poirier. Gaethje and Chandler became legends this year. Islam Makachev may go full Habib on this division soon. There's dark horses like Darius and Gillespie. Tony and RDA are still floating around. Connor's looking to kill people's families. Then look at welterweight. Despite Usman cleaning it out with Covington, Burns, and Masvidal, has he? Colby's not going anywhere. Leon Edwards might get a shot one day. Luke's a stud. Hamzat may be the biggest star in the sport. Strawweight is an absolute sawmill with Thug Rose holding it down on top. And yeah, a few of the other divisions aren't exactly exploding, but they still have some seriously fun and potentially sport defining fighters on their way up. I am grateful as hell for this level of competition in 2021. Number three, Tony versus Habib is never happening. Okay, I know. How can I say this? It's the biggest missed fight in history. I'm scarred for life that we never got it. Tommy, you're a son of a bitch for putting this on this list and I'm coming for you. Look, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, guys, we're finally free of this matchup. Think about how long Tony versus Habib has been hanging over the collective heads of the MMA community. They were meant to fight in 2015. I think six years and more heartbreak than a homecoming dance is enough. And the best part is there's no more wondering. Even last year, we weren't entirely sure if Habib was going to stay retired. The matchup still loomed. But now, with it being very apparent that the eagle is no longer flying, we can finally let go of this mythical fight. This albatross around the neck of mixed martial arts. It's over. It's never happening. There's no more anticipation. No more including it on lists of fights that we want to see next year. And while it's of course sad we never got to see it, and there are so many what-ifs, look at it this way. The lightweight division is now completely wide open. Tony and Habib dominated the narrative at 155 pounds for the better part of the last half decade. And now for the first time in forever, the dynamic in that division is shifting and things are interesting. Things are exciting. I love the new lightweight title picture. I love that we can see that goal on so many different fighters. Or maybe Islam just takes over like Habib did and reigns over the division for the next decade. But as much as I'm sad Tony versus Habib never happened, I'm grateful that I can stop thinking about it in 2021. Number two, new stars doing new star things. MMA is a star-driven sport, period. It just is what it is. At the end of the day, if you look at every era in 
the sport's history, it's a few huge draws that carry the sport on their back. And so in 2021, I'm grateful it appears there's a whole bunch up and coming that could potentially carry the sport through the next five to 10 years. The most obvious name that made a big impact this year, and is at least new to the UFC scene, is Michael Chandler's crazy ass. I love it. I love every bit of his insanity both in and out of the cage. He's like a Terminator that was programmed to be a motivational speaker. Yuri Prohaska looks primed to be a future light heavyweight champion, and he's just interesting as fuck. As I said before, Hamzat Chimaev might end up being the biggest star in MMA since Habib. Bellator's AJ McKee putting away Patricio Pitbull this year. I mean, my God, talk about a star turn there. Cyril Ghosn winning the interim title. Patty Pimblett stealing the hearts of many when he finally made his main stage debut at Fight Night 191 with his goofy-ass hair in that performance of the night KO. Up-and-comer Cheyenne Bays threatened to follow someone home in her UFC debut. That was possibly my favorite threat I've heard all year. There's been a ton more fighters that have blipped on the radar this year as having potential star power, and it's fun to see some fresh blood making headlines. As Dana says, there's always somebody new, and 2021 has proven that again. Number one, pay-per-view is on fire. Every year or two, everybody in the sport gets together to declare the pay-per-view is dead. It's a dying format for distribution. The UFC is going to go away with it. It's not profitable. They can't sustain the level of quality to ask for that price. There's just no way these big shows can hold up. And then years like 2021 happen and make us all look like big stupid dum-dums because wow, what a year for the UFC on pay-per-view. First of all, family murder threats aside, there were two Conor McGregor cards in 2021. The first time since the mythical 2016 and both of them were bangers that did massive numbers. UFC 257, 1.5 million buys. You had the debut of Michael Chandler, Conor's first TKO loss in history. The rematch later in the year was at 264, did 1.8 million buys. We got to watch Greg Hardy get KO'd, Sean O'Malley fought an unkillable troll doll, and Connor absolutely lost his goddamn mind. But the year was by no means defined by the notorious. There were so many amazing title fight moments. Kamaru Usman put on a show thrice, taking out Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, and Colby Covington. That last one at 268 featured one of the all-time great fights ever with Chandler versus Gaethje. Izzy tried to become double champ but was thwarted by legendary Polish wrestling, only for Glover Teixeira to come around at 42 years old and take the light heavyweight title at 267. Brandon Moreno and Charlie Olives earning titles at 262 and 263, some truly feel-good moments. Francis Ngannou finally became heavyweight champion on pay-per-view this year. Vulcan T-City put an all-time classic on at 266. The only pay-per-view that was a bit of a clusterfuck miss was 265 with that interim heavyweight title fight between Gon and Lewis. But my God, was pay-per-view an absolute banger in 2021, and I'm ever so grateful. Like Oliver Twist said, please, sir, I want some more. I just want to give a big, big shout-out to the official fuel of MMA On Point, Jocko Fuel. And gosh dang, does November pack a punch as the boys are back to offer 24% off for Black Friday for 24 hours on their brand new pre-workout. With healthy levels of caffeine, paired with theanine to support a balanced, stimulant experience, work off that extra helping of turkey with ease. So get your subscription, get your free shipping, and stock up your fuel at jockofuel.com using the code RWB2021 for the ultimate boost this Thanksgiving and go on living your best life, kicking some ass. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Huge shout out to Lawton Veerkan for masterfully piecing this video together. The casual can be found on Twitter and IG at Lawton underscore Veerkant, where he's probably laying down some sweet tunes. All right, that's all I got for you. Thanks for watching. Please like, subscribe, and have a wonderful day.